Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves. And once again, my dear friend, Marty Greer, DVM, has joined us. And we are going to take on kind of a tough topic. And Marty and I have talked about this off air. And it's a tough topic for both of us. Like, neither one of us really has the answers. So we're going to kind of walk through this. And it's the idea of best practices, good protocols. How do we handle this three-way communication that develops when we have a dog breeder, a puppy buyer, and the puppy buyer's veterinarian. All right, y'all. Looking to enhance your breeding program? Spring into action with Embark for Breeders Dog DNA Kit. Did you know that Embark tests across 230,000 markers? That's twice as much as its leading competitor, making Embark the most accurate dog DNA test on the market. Embark has customized its probes for results such as 210-plus genetic health risks, 35 traits, and genetic diversity. Each genetic health condition is tested using at least three and up to eight separate probes. This redundancy gives an extremely high genotyping accuracy with over 99.99% accuracy for mutation tests, specifically, and 99% for most linkage-based tests. Find out why responsible breeders trust Embark to enhance their breeding program. Right now, you can save on the most comprehensive dog DNA kit. Just visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK to receive $20 off a full-priced Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK just for you. Usually this comes to the forefront when it's a crisis. And so if we have ways of dealing with this, And this is what I'm hoping Marty's going to provide for us. If we have smart ideas about how to handle this. And I understand, Marty, you said, like, it's hard for you. So let's talk about it. Let's think about this. Yeah, this is a challenge is how do you have that three-legged stool and make it all work? Mm -hmm. So the reason that this topic came up, I have a friend and a breed that I will not name who had placed a puppy. She didn't actually raise it. She brought it from someone else, transported it, delivered it to the puppy buyer. Somewhere along the way, there was an issue where the puppy was not feeling well, got into something they don't really know. And there was a whole lot of miscommunication between the buyer and the veterinarian. The breeder was not involved in that communication. And the veterinarian was telling the buyer one thing and the buyer was telling the breeder something else. So in this particular instance, it was tragic. The puppy wound up dying and 
possibly could have been prevented with better communication. And so this is what I'm trying to think about. How do we set our puppy buyers up for success? Is there language that we can send home with that puppy buyer that they can then take to their veterinarian to help bridge this three-legged stool? Yeah. And I think the first thing that really has to happen is before the puppy buyer gets their puppy, they need to research the veterinarian that they're interested in using. Now, they may already have a good relationship with the veterinarian that they trust, that they know is open to a certain protocol for vaccinations, delaying spaying and neutering, certain other medical management situations. But I think the first thing they really have to do is know who they're seeing. And if they have a great relationship and they're already doing that, that's great. I sold a puppy on Tuesday that the client drove up from Texas to buy the puppy. And she's already been working with a veterinarian that will let her do titers, that understands that she doesn't want to vaccinate for everything every year, that understands what she thinks about flea and tick control, that understands about spaying and neutering. She's going to keep this puppy intact. She's going to show him. She wants to do agility. And I kind of twisted her arm a little bit to do confirmation. And she's never done confirmation. She's only done performance events. And she was a little reluctant, but, you know, miscellaneous is sort of like old home week. Right. It's more like a UKC show than an AKC show. It's much more laid back. So this is one of the Danish-Swedish farm dogs, not a corgi. Exactly. And mm-hmm. there's not handlers involved. It's a different kind of experience. But she already knows the veterinary clinic that she's going to. She already trusts them. She knows them. They know her. They go, oh, yeah, you're the one who does the titers. But they accept the fact that that's what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself in a situation where you have a veterinarian that you're butting heads with, you've chosen the wrong clinic. And you need to start doing some research and finding other alternatives. And it may mean that you go to somebody as far as somebody that does integrative medicine, holistic medicine. You may have to kind of go to that level to get the Mm -hmm. kind of care that you need. But if that's what it takes, then in almost every community, there are going to be veterinarians that are open-minded, that are willing to work with you, that are willing to talk to breeders, that are willing to accept the fact that you want to do some of these things somewhat differently. But you got to know who they are and you have to do it before you get the puppy or before you have a crisis. Because in the middle of a crisis is not the time to figure this out. And, you know, Marty, you and I have talked about this before. And I actually, I took your advice we were in a situation, we were struggling with some situations here locally with veterinarian that I've used for a very long time and just in a backlog and just really needed another option of a place that we could get into. And so we actually went and interviewed, literally paid for the time to interview a new veterinarian that we did not know. And it went really, really well. And I believe that we'll now have additional access and a way to work with another veterinarian that we know to be breeder friendly. And it was really worth the time, really enjoyed the conversation. But I think the respect shown of saying, may we please get on the schedule? May we please pay for an appointment time so that we can talk to you about our philosophies, your philosophies, and how do they mesh? We did that. That is you telling me, and I did it. And it worked. It really did. And so that is something I would encourage people to really, really consider, whether it's for your own dogs or for your puppies and your puppy buyers. 
Yeah. And I think it's a really great strategy, a really great way to approach it. And you may kiss a couple frogs before you get there, but it's okay. Go in for something simple. Go in for mm -hmm. something that isn't complicated. Go for a heartworm test. If the vet clinic does nail trims, go for a nail trim. Just kind of get a feel for who they are, what they are, how they do things, because you just really need to make good decisions. People come to us frequently, and this makes me and my doctors and my staff crazy. They come in and they say, well, we come to you for the really important stuff, but we just go to the local place because it's just shots. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They're not just shots. First of all, we don't shoot dogs. We vaccinate them. Exactly. You know, we try to shoot them. But as Dr. Ron Schultz at Dr. Lori Larson will say, vaccines are one of the strongest medications you give your dog. And this week I spent an hour on Sunday afternoon with a client who's had a dog with a vaccine injury. Her dog, her dog's sister, so she owns them both, and her daughter, who owns another sibling of these three dogs, have all got immune-mediated diseases. And it's not just a shot. It is high-powered vaccination. We had a client that sold two puppies to a pair of sisters that live a couple of blocks apart in Chicago. They went in for the puppy vaccinations. The one went to a clinic where they gave every single vaccination known to man into this puppy all at one time, and the puppy literally fell off the needle dead. And so now we don't have two sisters raising brother puppies living a couple of blocks apart in Chicago. She replaced the puppy, but now they're not siblings, and it's not the dream that they had. I saw a puppy this week that was vaccinated at Elsewhere Clinic, and they said, yeah, within 60 seconds of the vaccination, the puppy started vomiting. I'm like, whoa, baby, that is a serious vaccination reaction, and the next one could be fatal. So no, we're not giving any more distemper parvo vaccinations to your puppy. We're going to give the rabies today. We're going to do a titer, figure out if your puppy needs additional vaccinations. And if it's not well protected against distemper and oparvo, we will divide those up. We will buy individual antigen vaccines. We will handle this differently. She's like, oh, really? They never said anything to her. They never said, oh, yeah, puppy vomiting within 60 seconds is a bad reaction. I'm like, really? They didn't tell you that? So you really need to trust, really need to trust the veterinarian that you're working with. So... As a best practices, as a protocol that we can talk about, that we can recommend to our listeners, and you've got a brand new litter of puppies, you've got all these homes lined up, you're mixing and matching, you're putting the best puppy with the best home. Is it fair to say that part of your discussions, part of your conversations with your puppy buyers should be Tell me about your veterinarian. Yep, absolutely. It's in my questionnaire when I'm looking for people that are buying puppies. And not to hawk the book, the pandemic puppy book, but honestly, there's a lot of information in there about how to deal with vaccinations, spaying, neutering. Mm -hmm. Nancy Kay, Dr. Nancy Kay, wrote a book a few years ago called Your Pet's Best Health. I love this book. I read it on an airplane when I was flying back from somewhere it's a nice, easy read. It's got a lot of white space, easy book to read, not expensive. I read it on the airplane. I got off the airplane. I dropped my backpack on a chair in the airport, pulled out my cell phone, called her, found her at a practice and said, Dr. K, this is who I am. And I would like to buy 200 copies of your book. And she said, excuse me? 
<laughs> and I said, yeah, I said, this is the book I wish I had written. I wish I had thought of putting this into a book. I love this book. And she said, oh my God, you're the first veterinarian that's called me and told me that. I'm like, well, that is a very sad statement because what you said in here is sort of like the dirty underbelly of what goes on is sometimes what you think you're getting isn't what you're getting. So this is a really great book. It's called Your Pet's Best Health by Dr. Nancy Kay. She okay. also wrote Speaking for Spot. It's an amazing series of books. So take a look at her materials and use those as a way that you can select a veterinarian. So give me like, what's the top line? What's the takeaway? What is it that people are going to find when they read this book? They're going to find sometimes if your dog's in the hospital overnight, it's really not being assessed overnight. It's by itself. They're going to find out different things about vaccinations. She hadn't quite gotten to the spay neuter part yet when mm -hmm. she wrote the book, because it was a few years before that movement really started. But essentially it was teaching you a lot about how veterinary medicine works and how to work with your veterinarian so that you get the best care for your pet. Because frankly, not every veterinarian has everybody's best interests at heart. Sometimes it's all about money. And I hate to say that about any profession, but the reality is you need to be very careful how you select your veterinarian and how you work with them because that will make or break your pet's long-term health. It is a hugely important situation that you work well with them, that you understand them. I have very serious, long, heart-to-heart -heart conversations with clients. Like I said, on Sunday, I spent an mm -hmm. hour with a client without even looking at the dog, spent an hour just talking about how to manage her dogs because the internist that she's been seeing is moving out of state and how is she going to manage this dog's care going forward because it's a very complicated medical case with these three related dogs that all have immune-mediated disease. So it's just really important that you get this all to work well because those decisions are hugely important, hugely important in their care. So again, this is that three-legged stool. As a dog breeder, I have my protocol. Like I do my vaccine so, I do my worming so, I do, you know, my recommendation for spay neuter is such. And I lay that all out for the buyer. I write it into a contract or an agreement. And then that buyer goes to a veterinarian that literally poo-poos everything that the breeder has written down, yep. ignores the fact that the dog has been vaccinated yep. and revaccinates it. Two days later. For example, all of those sorts of things happen. So yeah. what I'm really looking for is not just to say, yes, these things happen and cry, but how, how do we prevent them? Is there any specific thing that I, as a breeder can say to my puppy buyer, that that puppy buyer can say to the veterinarian, that's going to make a difference? Yeah. Well, it goes back to relationship. Like I said. But it may mean that you buy a bottle of wine for your veterinarian or take a plate of cookies to the receptionists or you take pizza for the whole staff. It really does all come down to relationships. And the better relationship you have, the better communication you have, the better chances are that the kind of care that you're looking for is all going to happen. So mm -hmm. research them. Check out with the people at your local kennel club who they go to. Find out where the groomer takes their dog. Find out where the person you work with that, you know, the cubicle next to yours, how they provide their dog's care, find out those things before you get the puppy. And if it's not working, don't be afraid to change veterinarians. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of it because they really need to be aligned with your circumstances. Right. That's important from the puppy buyer side. 
from the buyer side, they need to build those relationships from the breeder side. We can't build those relationships for them. No, because many times they're long distance. Mm -hmm. So it's great if you live close enough to your breeder that you can use the same veterinarian. But honestly, there's a Facebook group for everything. There's a Facebook group for breeder friendly veterinarians. Yes, there is. And it's a great one. Yeah. So join it. You know, Mm -hmm. figure out who the people are in your community that are willing to work with breeders because they're the ones that are going to, when I see a puppy come through and they've got a contract Mm -hmm. in their hand, Mm -hmm. I make a copy of the contract, put it in the medical record, nice on it and say, this is the circumstance. This is what they do want. This is what they don't want. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I had a dog in today that in spite of the fact that the breeder said, don't vaccinate for lepto, we had encouraged the client to vaccinate for lepto. And honest to God, I think this dog may have lepto and she's vaccinated. So thank goodness we had vaccinated her, but I still had the conversation with the client and I didn't just say, we're not doing this. I said, this is what I think we need to do. And this is why. And we made a mutual decision, Mm -hmm. but your contract is a really important document. Mm -hmm. And if you expect your breeder to stand behind the healthcare, you've got to work with that. And you can't just cheat on it by what you feed or how you vaccinate or you know, all the other things that you may be doing. So very important. And, you know, these are all things that are negotiable before you buy the puppy as well. So if the breeder is doing something that you think is weird or demanding or you're not sure, Mm -hmm. maybe you shouldn't buy the puppy from that breeder. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want that dog so incredibly bad you're going to do it anyway. But all contracts are negotiable, except for the ones with your credit card company that come on your statement with the print so small on the back of the bill that you can't actually read it. No, those are non-negotiable. I hate no, that's non-negotiable. <laughs> Banks don't play nice. But if you're working with a breeder, sit down before you buy the puppy, ask to see the contract in advance, go through it, make sure you understand it, make sure you can comply with it and go with that. Now, frankly, some of the rescue organizations are a little bit weird about stuff because they're owning the dogs until people spay or neuter them. Yeah. Rescue? Yes. Oh, this is a whole new thing. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Rescues will retain ownership of that dog if you don't do the spay and neuter, do the vaccinations that they want. They tell you they can come back and get that dog. Take that dog away from you if you have not complied with their requirements that they have in the rescue. So rescues are taking a page from some of our most intense breeders, making it more difficult for everybody to get a dog no matter what. I mean, we had clients during COVID that they were trying to get a puppy. And for instance, they had a cat from the Humane Society that wasn't yet spayed. And the rescue organization wouldn't let them get a puppy from the rescue because they had an intact female cat. Like, well, you know, the last time I checked, boy cats and girl dogs can't make babies. Babies. No. So why exactly are we saying that? You know, so if it was somebody that wanted to delay spaying and neutering, of their dog because it was most appropriate for their health and they were going to get a cat. The rescue would say, no, you can't have the cat or we're going to own the cat. It's gotten a little out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. We could do an entire and probably at some point will do an entire it's gotten out of hand discussion about other parts of the world where it has completely gotten out of hand. But you can negotiate this stuff. And if you can't live with the terms of the contract, whether it's from a breeder or a rescue or whoever, then you just may be better off to walk away. But veterinarians, there's a lot of veterinarians out there. Not all veterinarians are created equal. Not all physicians are created equal. Not all dentists are created equal. Let's be honest. There are a lot of variables in all those professional skills. So find one that you like, that you work well with, that has scheduling that works for you. And seriously, 
go in and interview them. There is nothing wrong with that. No, there's definitely nothing wrong with it. Like I said, I just did it and had a perfectly fabulous experience from it. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion cares passionately about pets and makes sure their policy has what it takes to serve you and your furry companions. In fact, they are the first pet insurance provider to cover certain health conditions associated with breeding animals through their specialized breeding rider. Their industry-leading coverage does not stop there. Trupanion's free breeder support program also allows you to send your litters home protected with an offer for a Trupanion policy. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Now, you're taking the puppy buyer position. I'm taking the breeder position. And so I'm going to say for me as a dog breeder, something that I am going to look at going forward as we, you know, move into this unknown future of the 21st century and the craziness that exists for veterinarians, for purebred dogs, for all the stuff. One of the things that I am going to ask of my puppy buyers is to give me the information about their veterinarian and research that veterinarian. And like, I've never done that, but that's something I'm going to add to going forward. Mm -hmm. And if I don't think that that veterinarian appeals to me and my protocols, I'm going to find and provide for my puppy buyers recommendations in their area that I think would be more suitable for the individual dog. Right. Yes. You can go to their website. You can see what their philosophy is. You can check to see if they've had any action against their veterinary license from the examining board at their state. Mm -hmm. You can see if they've had a malpractice suit. You can check all those things out. And I think that's not unreasonable because the puppy's welfare is what you're really aiming to get is the best welfare for that puppy's lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that what you're doing is unreasonable. It's going to require a lot of extra legwork on your part to research these people. And you know enough people in the dog world that you're connected, but not everybody. Not everybody is. That's what I'm saying. So that's why I want to have like easy to follow suggestions and protocols for other breeders that I know everybody, like I can call up anybody, but not everybody does. That's not fair. So giving them some kind of system whereby they can do the same thing I can do because it isn't rocket science. It's not special magic, right? It's just taking the time to do it. Right. So that's my thing as a dog breeder. Go check into your puppy buyers, veterinarians, get information about that. As a puppy buyer, definitely look into your veterinarian, talk to them about your purebred dog. As a veterinarian, what's your recommendation for my veterinarians who are listening? To be open-minded, to be willing to learn, to listen. And my most fun thing is to work with the most challenging eccentric clients and I love doing that, but frankly, a lot of veterinarians are intimidated by breeders and intimidated by the requirements that they have. But I think it's really fun, and I really enjoy being able to say that I'm going to turn this conversation around. But yeah, there's a lot of veterinarians that are willing to do this, and especially the young ones, but sometimes the older ones. I have clients that come all the time, and they're like, I really love the old veterinarians because 
They don't yeah. need a test for every single thing. They actually right. do a physical exam. They actually intuitively know what's wrong with the dog. Right. Old school veterinarians, I love them. This guy that we interviewed here locally, right? His dad is a vet. He's taking over his dad's practice, which I think is adorable. And they're primarily large animal vets, same kind of thing, right? And so I think that is one thing that we can look at. And again, urban areas, we don't always have that option. But if you've got an option for a good old school farm vet, I think a lot of times that's not a bad choice. Yeah, I actually went with my sister a number of years ago. She was looking for a veterinarian where she had her vacation home because she spent three days a week there and four days a week in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. So she said, would you go to the vet with me? I have an appointment Saturday morning with my dogs. I'm like, of course I'll go because it was way across Wisconsin and we were going to spend the weekend there. But it was too far for her to come to me for regular care. So we made the appointment. I went in with her. She took her two borzoi into the veterinary clinic. I stood very quietly in the room. The veterinarian walks in, says, okay. And he picks up the dog and he puts the 90 pound borzoi on the exam table, whoop, picks him up, puts him on the table. P.S. This is not always a good choice with a borzoi. <laughs> well, these were pretty cool borzoi. So puts the dog on the table, does a physical exam, gives the dog the vaccinations, picks him up, puts him back on the floor, picks up the second dog, puts him on the table, repeats the process. And honestly, I stood with my jaw dropped because he did the most complete physical exam that I typically have seen. He did a fantastic job, but you know what? He did large animal. And large animal, you don't get a lot of history. You don't get a lot of diagnostics. You got to find it on physical exam. So that night I went back to her vacation home. I pulled out the phone book. I looked him up. I called him and I said, I was at your practice today. You don't know who I am. I am a veterinarian. I was at your practice. And I just want to tell you that you were amazing. And do you own part of the practice? And he goes, yeah. And I said, oh, darn, because I was going to offer you a job because I was that impressed. She lives wow. in the Twin Cities. She could not find a veterinarian, even though I called some of the people that she was going to go see and say to them, tomorrow my sister's coming in. She has two borzoi. Now, two borzoi don't walk through your door every day, so it's not yeah. that hard to figure out. She's coming tomorrow. She has two borzoi. These are her children. You need to do a comprehensive, complete, thorough physical exam on these dogs because she needs to know that she can trust you, and neither of them did. So she continued to look for a veterinarian until she could find one. So find out. Watch them. See how they do a physical exam. Do they do all the things that they should? Do they listen to the heart? Do they feel the lymph nodes? Do they palpate the abdomen? Are they doing all those things? Because there's a lot of clues that you find during a physical exam that a lot of younger veterinarians are like, oh, we'll order an x-ray. Oh, we'll order a lab test. Oh, we'll do this. No, no, no. You need to get a history. You need to get a physical exam. And you need to start figuring this out. Because basically, if you didn't find something wrong on the physical exam, you need to go back and do it again. We were taught in veterinary school that if you don't know the sex of the dog when you get done with a physical exam, you probably didn't do a very good job. I did actually have this happen a couple of months ago that I couldn't tell the sex of the dog because it was actually an intersex dog. It was neither a male nor female dog. It was intersex. You had a hermaphrodite? Yeah. I was on the floor feeling the dog's underside and I looked at the woman and she goes, yeah. I said, oh, okay, good. Because I, there for a minute, I thought I was confused. I couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl. She's like, yeah, yeah, there's an intersex puppy here. So, okay, fine. But nevertheless, to find out if they do an exam, how do they do their blood work? How do they verify their lab tests are accurate for their in-house equipment? Find out this stuff. There's nothing wrong with asking some of those questions. And if you have to drive 45 minutes to see a veterinarian that you want to see, 
do it. People will drive eight hours to go to a dog show for 10 seconds of a judge's look in the ring, but they won't drive 45 minutes for good veterinary care. That's insane. How far do you drive to go to your hairdresser? How long do you wait to get into your hairdresser? How far do you drive for a good dinner or for a good dentist? Pick out somebody that you like, and invariably, if it's an emergency, you're going to end up at an emergency clinic anyway. So you don't need to find the closest veterinarian to your house. Find the one that you can work the best with that respects you, respects the breeder, respects that you have a purebred dog or a purpose-bred dog, respects all those things, and you can really communicate with. They talk to you. They listen to you. There's a communication. There's a back and forth. You make decisions collaboratively and together instead of one person saying, we're doing it this way. And I think that is the most important piece that I would bring forward, both to the veterinarians, to the puppy buyers, and to the breeders, like all three pieces of our three-legged stool that we talked about. And one of the single most shocking things to me during my involvement with another organization was the veterinary opinion that breeders don't count and that breeders don't have anything important to say and that breeders are not to be trusted or listened to. And while we all know that there are people out there who call themselves breeders who no more deserve that label than veterinarians, and there's buyers the same way, like there's good and bad everywhere we go. But the beauty of responsibly bred preservation breeding is that the breeders who are doing this have devoted themselves and their time and their effort and have learned a lot, have spent their lifetimes learning, if they're very fortunate, from veterinarians who were willing to take the time to teach them. Exactly. So they know their lines. They know what genetic disorders they have. They know a lot about what works well for the food, what makes their coat look good. They know all this about them and that really needs to be respected. But who do you call when you can't get your puppy to housebreak? Or who do you call if you decided that you were going to buy a dog and three months later, your grandma falls down a flight of stairs and she has to move in with you and you need to find a place for this puppy to go for a while. Or you break your leg and the puppy needs to go somewhere. Who do you call? You call your breeder. You call your breeder. <laughs> you don't call rescue because rescue is, they're washed their hands of you. They got their money. You're done. You don't call a lot of these other people. These are the people you have to rely on. Yeah. And the veterinarians need to respect the breeder's knowledge, the breeder's opinion. I don't know every single DNA test that's out there. I was doing a program for a DNA company a couple of weeks ago. I was reading all this stuff on their website. And there's tests out there I didn't even know existed, like persistent right. Eulerian duct syndrome. I like PMDS. What? Okay. okay. So it has to do with monorchidism, retained testicles, and partial reproductive tracts that are, again, an intersex hermaphrodite. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that there was such a test. Like, I didn't even know that. So I can't know every DNA test. But that's what I'm saying, Marty. You are a gifted veterinarian and a talented one and a knowledgeable one. And you're standing here right here saying, I don't know everything. I know about my breed, but I don't know diddly doodad about another breed. And I know that veterinarians work hard. I know they go to school. They spend a lot of money. They spend a lot of time. But the people who have spent 40 years dedicated to their breed have spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort too. 
Yes. And they're the ones that can give you the ins and outs of this DNA test is accurate. This one is not. This is the lab to use. This is the test we trust. This is why we trust it. This is what our breed club says. This is a new test that's coming. There's a new mutation. We're looking for a test. Those are the things that veterinarians simply cannot know everything there is to know about everything. It is impossible. So you've got to rely on people that have a vested interest in that breed and that have watched the development of the breed for their 40 years of breeding. And you can trust that they know what's going on. So you need to find somebody that respects the use of a breeder. And I love my breeder clients, but frankly, a lot of veterinarians don't like breeders. And that's a shame. That's a pity. I had a chance to speak to the veterinary students a month ago. I think it's really important that veterinary students spend time with breeders. Invite the veterinary students, the kids in your 4-H club. Just did this. I know I told you this. Out here in Oregon, one of our people made a big donation to the local vet school, had a little access. We brought an entire class of veterinary students to a dog show. Four of us, local, big wig dog people, whatever, stood up and talked to them for an hour and then toured them around the dog show. Gave these folks that are young, that are many instances more involved in shelter medicine and some of those things, gave them an opportunity to see another side of the conversation. Yep. There's five of our local kennel clubs that have pulled together. They're putting together a scholarship for the veterinary Mm -hmm. students. Mm -hmm. It's going through the Wisconsin Veterinary School. They have a foundation. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to do all the legwork, but we're putting $5,000 a year Mm -hmm. into the scholarships over five Mm -hmm. years. So there'll be an endowment of $25,000 after that. But they're going to put jars out at the dog shows and collect money, and they're going to start giving $1,000 scholarships to the veterinary students before the endowment is built up to $25,000. So your local clubs, five clubs, $5,000 a piece, that's not a lot of money for you to be able to have the ability to impact the veterinary education of at least one student that you can say, here we are, we're interested in our purpose-bred and purebred dogs. We want you to understand breeders. We want you to understand the value of a breeder. We want you to know if you're going to pay back your veterinary education, you're going to have to work with some people that actually intentionally breed dogs because rescue is not the solution to everything. But get together with your breed clubs. Send out a letter. Get them together. We had dinner one night, came up with all kinds of things, you know, 10 people at the table, five kennel clubs, very influential, really important. And then you as an individual can make a donation to that endowment. And then your name is in there as well. So don't overlook the power of really being able to work with these younger veterinarians while you can still influence them. Because trust me, HSUS is in every class, in every veterinary school, influencing them. Yes, they are. The good guys have that opportunity to get in there and invite them to a dog show. Have them come to your house for a whelping. Have them come over to your puppy parties teach them this stuff. They don't get a chance to learn structure and movement and breeding and whelping and how much work it is to show a dog. You don't just show up and do foo-foo stuff around the ring, people. That isn't how dog shows work. So you have the opportunity to grab these 4-H kids when they're young, grab these veterinary students when they're young, start doing it now. I have like this brain flash thing that just came in my head. So out there, I know this is terrifying. Everybody, Hold your suspenders. So HSUS is out there 
adopt a puppy for $29 or adopt an elephant, or I want to adopt a veterinary student. And I think that every single one of us can adopt a veterinary student for $19.99 a month. And I'll play you some Sarah McLaughlin music if you'll do it. (laughs) Yes. And when the Therio meeting was in Wisconsin a few years ago, I asked my breeders if they would help put up the veterinary students so that they had an inexpensive place to stay to make it affordable for them to come to the conference. Mm -hmm. Because the registration for the conference is either free or close to free for a lot of veterinary meetings. But you have the chance to help house a veterinary student for this. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this one particular client housed the student. She was invited to the veterinary student's wedding. They exchanged Christmas cards. They are still good, good friends. Right. So I agree with you. Adopt a veterinary student. Adopt a veterinary student they is right. They need financial support. They need help. But you are a way for them to understand the rest of the dog world. Don't yeah. throw that away as a really influential piece. Hugely important piece. And that same baby veterinarian that I was telling you about that told me that all dog breeders were suspect and what have you. And I explained to him that, no, I had many friends that were veterinarians and he absolutely was hell-bent insistent, this little 20-something doodad, hell-bent insistent. It was impossible that any veterinarian would be friends with their clients. It made me so mad, Marty. It made me furious. He's going to have a hard life. So make friends with your veterinarian because really it's possible and it's okay. It is. But don't ask for their cell phone number. Yeah. And don't take advantage don't of it. Don't abuse it, but exactly. be their friend. Yep. Yep. But like I said, I actually did a C-section on Sunday for a litter of 16 puppies Holy shit. from frozen semen. Oh and my God. Client- if you get me a litter of 16 from frozen <laughs> semen, I'm telling you, Marty, I'm right there. I'm all about it. So she knew she was having a big litter. She didn't take an x-ray because we scheduled the C-section. She didn't know how many puppies were coming until I kept sending staff out of the surgery suite with another and another and another. And she had baked us this big tray of cookies. And she said, well, I watched all your revival videos and I know I'm supposed to bring cookies. I'm like, yes, you are. Because you know what? When you call and you have a problem, we're going to get you in fast because the staff's going to be like, ooh, she's the, the one cookie lady. really good cranberry cookies. We're letting her come in. So, I mean, I hate to say veterinarians are able to be bought off and their staff is able to be bought off, but you know, they get beat up all day by clients who are crabby, clients that want something that they can't get, mm-hmm. and they're just not nice to them. So be nice to them. And honestly, they will fall all over themselves to help you. Well, here's your breeder, buyer, veterinarian protocol. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's a shock, right? I know, right? Marty, thank you so much. As always, you make my life better and you make us all smarter. And adopt a veterinary student today. Adopt a veterinary student today. Here's your Sarah McLaughlin music. (laughs) All right, you all. I am so excited to let you know that Revival Animal Health is now a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. Revival Animal Health understands your commitment to be a dog breeder. And that's why Revival is the place to turn for all your dog breeding needs. As the pet vaccine experts, Revival is number one in selection. Breeders trust Revival to protect their moms and get their puppies off to a strong start. Revival offers a complete line of breeding products from pregnancy and whelping and newborn care to Revival's own reproductive and neonatal health brand, Breeder's Edge. 
Revival's Director of Veterinary Services, somebody you might know, Dr. Marty Greer, is a leading expert in canine reproduction and neonatal care. Revival's online learning center is filled with free articles, videos, and webinars, sharing insights and tips on pet health topics, including breeding and newborn care. When you call Revival, a friendly and knowledgeable pet care pro will greet you. Revival's pet care pros receive regular training and are available to answer your dog breeding questions. Learn more today at RevivalAnimal.com. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things. To add nuance to your understanding and tools to your attack box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. So check it. June 1st is our Patrons Retreat Workshop in the Chicago suburbs, up northwest of Chicago in the Lake Villa area. The workshops are open to everyone, and you can check out the Handler Clinic in order to sort of polish your performance in the ring, get a little finesse. You can also check out the fine print session with dog savvy lawyer Jen Emmonson about sort of nailing down your contract language and getting that right. Heads up, there might be a couple rooms left at the retreat if you want to hang with basically the coolest crew in dogs for a couple nights. Visit www.puredogtalk.com for details. Don't forget, While you're there zooming around on the website, go take a look at the Pure Dog Talk swag link. You know you can share the love with all that cool gear. Check it all out. www.puredogtalk.com Because your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. Hey 